Welcome to this pre-Thanksgiving edition of the Cool Stuff Ride Home podcast. I'm Marcus Path, joined by Reggie Rizzo. Coming up on today's show, we all love the holidays, but they come with their fair share of stress. Just how much stress, you ask? We'll put a number to it, plus the top dishes required for your holiday feast and some stats about meal prep. All that and this week in history coming up. We all know the holidays can be a little stressful for anyone. In a study conducted with 1,419 people located in the U.S., two out of five respondents say they feel their mental health is negatively impacted due to the holidays. However, there is some good news. Over the past few years, those numbers are going down. 49% of people say they feel an increase in anxiety over the holidays, but compare that to 2021, well, that was at 60%. Depression went from 52% in 2021 to 41% now. Uh, However, financial stress is still about the same. One out of 10 respondents say they feel very stressed because of the holidays. Three out of 10 feel somewhat stressed. Now, due to the stress, 38% say they consider seeking out mental health professionals to talk to. But 17% of people say they just can't afford that right now. A quarter of the uh, Americans out there wish the holidays were canceled. And I have to tell you, Marcus, I've always been in that boat. Bah humbug to you. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a holiday person. <laughs> Even at Thanksgiving? Come on. All it entails I, is eating for the most part. That's not too bad. I, I have to say, Thanksgiving is probably one of them that bothers me the less because there's no obligation of presence and stuff. But there is the obligation of having to be somewhere, which stresses me out. I, I'm not a fan of that. Fair enough. Fair enough. couple of things that come to mind for me in these early statistics that you've rattled off, Reggie. We're comparing this to 2021, and I don't doubt that stress has gone down, but I also have to wonder about the impact COVID-19 perhaps played back in 2021 when, for the most part, I think a lot of us were inching our way back into gathering with family for the first time in two years. And perhaps you're wondering, hey, what am I inviting into my household at this point? Is everybody healthy? Am I going to come out of this healthy? That would add a lot of stress to to, to my mental workload. <laughs> I know yeah, that. I, I should have prefaced this. That's where some of the study came from, was taking a look at now versus COVID. They are looking at, obviously, there probably was a little more stress around that time, but there is still a decent amount of stress due to the holidays. Actually, when you talk about that, how it was with COVID or not, I said a quarter of Americans wish the holidays were canceled now. Back in 2021, 50% wish it was canceled mm. for obvious reasons, I think, of not wanting to get sick. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that I wonder about, and, and I don't want to jump the gun on this because I know you've, we've got a lot of other statistics to throw out here, but more and more people, at least that I come into contact with, seem to be avoiding the holiday feast at their home and instead taking it out to a restaurant or to some other entity that's putting on a meal for folks. And I've got to believe that alleviates the stress, at least on those people who are typically responsible for cooking. Yeah, and I'll get to some of those stats. You'll you'll probably see why it alleviates some of that stress mm. when I get to a, a few more stats. I have a lot of numbers here that I was Stay uh, tuned, compiling. <laughs> Stay tuned, yes. First, I want to start with how do people cope with all that stress and anxiety? Well, a quarter of us eat comfort food. exercise, 13% drink, and 12% have sex. Now, I know which one I prefer, Marcus. You cannot go wrong with a good meal, right? (laughs) (laughs) Not the answer I was expecting, but sure. (laughs) Talking to people also helped quite a few of us. 20% of us reach out, usually to a friend or family member, but sometimes a mental health professional. 
Now, what is causing all of this stress? Well, cooking. Cooking is causing a lot of that stress. 87% of the people in this study say they will be cooking homemade meals. However, three quarters of them now say they have bought some ready-made food for the holidays to go with their home cooked as well. Smart play. Also causing Smart some. Play. Take the credit. It, Just it, take it, the credit. I don't, I don't care. Nobody knows. Yeah, it's pre-made. No, and no. Tell the family you made it. Do you need to cook the buns or can you just go to the store and buy some good buns? You know, there's some things you can take some shortcuts on. Also causing some of that stress, looking out for different dietary restrictions for their guests. About a third of people will have a vegetarian or vegan option available. A quarter will have gluten-free meals ready. However, about half of the people out there just cook their normal dishes without any concern for dietary restrictions. Baby boomers top that list with 60% of them saying they're going with that approach. Not surprising. You've grown up not being all that worried about dietary restrictions. I think that's more of a modern approach to eating (laughs) or, or at least a consideration that perhaps younger people make. So I get it. On average, $189 will be spent on food for Thanksgiving. It's actually quite a bit cheaper than Christmas, which comes in at $243. I just wanted to throw that stat out there before I get back to that stress. We had to take a step back there, which that money, of course, is causing some of that stress. Uh, Other stressors out there, having the right equipment. Any guesses, Marcus, on what the top tool, any guesses, Marcus, on what the top tool people think they need for cooking? Well, I don't know if this constitutes a tool, but I would assume an oven surprisingly not the number one tool a baking sheet 60 percent of people say that is necessary followed by the casserole dish at 50 percent a good quality knife at 44 percent now i think this is where it gets tricky in this list they have a large oven roasting pan blender large fridge good cutting board a convection oven and microwave rounding out the top 10. i think combining a large oven and convection oven probably would have put it on the top of the list but they split them up Well, also, where are you putting that baking sheet and that casserole dish if you don't have an oven? Are you just setting it outside in the desert heat and hoping that it will uh, magically emerge as a finished product? I I don't that doesn't make a lot of sense. Going going with that natural solar energy, cooking that. (laughs) Get a magnifying glass and hope it's a sunny day. Maybe they have a fire pit or, you know, they could be uh, doing the deep frying of the turkey. There's, there's other ways you can do the turkey. <laughs> the the old Thanksgiving dinner over the fire pit with, with a baking sheet underneath. Yep. Who hasn't seen that scenario played out a million times? Another surprise in this one, pie pans actually came in 12th with only 29% of people saying that they need a pie pan for Thanksgiving. I'm not much of a pie eater myself. Never been big on on that as a dessert, more of a cake eater. 100% agree with you, but when you think Thanksgiving, usually pumpkin pie or pecan pie or whatever comes to mind, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, well, the pilgrims, to my knowledge, weren't passing around a big chocolate cake. So, yeah, you're correct. Well, what is it about cooking that stresses everyone out? you have any guesses on what part of cooking is causing all that stress? My guess would just be the time that it takes to complete these meals. You have to start thinking about a turkey, oftentimes hours in advance, sometimes days if you've got a thought. You are partially right. However, number one is the cleanup, which leads to your going out to eat Mm, less stress because there's no cleanup then. So cleanup is the top one and followed closely right behind that, making sure the food is all done at the same time. Those are both around 60% of the... uh, the stress factors caused by people. I'm terrible at that, by the way, not even removing Thanksgiving from this equation. When I make dinner at home, 
oftentimes I've got the primary portion of the meal complete and then, oh yeah, it's going to be 20 minutes until the side is ready or, or one of the two sides. <laughs> yeah. So I'd, so, I'd so be yeah, a terrible yeah. person to cook Thanksgiving. It wouldn't turn out well. And there's a lot of options usually when it comes to Thanksgiving. There is a lot of prep work for that. You got to plan, you know, the rolls are going to take this long. Turkey's going to take this long. They say you don't need math when you're growing up, but you definitely need math. Coming up next on that list is the cost of the food, which, you know, if you go out to eat, Marcus, that's going to be a little more expensive than just cooking it at home, too. You know, I used to think that, Reggie, but there are times now where I go to the grocery store and come home and say, why didn't I just go to the restaurant? Because by the time I bought all this and invested the time to make it, there are instances where I think it's kind of equal. Well, I guess when you look at it, that $189 spent on food for Thanksgiving, how many people are you feeding? And then how much would it cost to go out to eat? So if you're doing a family of six, yeah, you could probably go out to eat for less than that. You're doing uh, having relatives over and you got about 15, 20 people. That might be a little bit harder to take everyone out to eat at that price. Well, yeah, I guess the difference is if I take 20 different people and we all meet at a restaurant, am I obligated to pay for all 20 family members? Is, is nobody else pitching in to help with this? I would assume that, you know, Uncle Harry over there might pay for him and my cousin Rob. I don't hopefully have to put the bill for every one of my family members, whereas if you cook at home kind of expected to produce the entirety of the meal for everyone unless you're in one of those families where everybody sort of brings their own dish very true i mean i guess you could expect them to pay for their own but then overall if you look at the overall cost of the meal it goes up but individually maybe a little bit less uncle larry and his old fashions isn't helping the bill either stop it larry (laughs) you've already had five of them how are you going to get home larry (laughs) (laughs) also causing some of that stress is those special food requests you know the vegan the vegetarian the gluten-free options about 40 percent of people say that type of stuff stresses them out too many people in the kitchen this okay this part of the story kind of amuses me too many people in the kitchen adds to a lot of stress about uh, 30 percent of people say they get stressed out by that but then added to that on the flip side About the same amount of people get stressed with the lack of help cooking. You kind of got it both ways there that there's either too many people or not enough people in the kitchen helping. There's never a winning recipe here. You know, average day, even if I ask my wife if she needs anything while she's in the kitchen making something, I feel like I'm more of a hindrance than anything. I don't know the appropriate approach. I think my mother-in-law described our kitchen as a two-butt kitchen. That's all the people that can fit in there. It's a two-butt kitchen. Fair enough. If you've established that ground rule going in, then anyone else doesn't have to feel obligated to uh, step in. Uncle Larry, that's your sixth old-fashioned. Calm it down. Ah, man, he is never getting home. (laughs) Gonna gonna need that ride home. Got a podcast (laughs) for him. About a quarter of the people say lack of help cleaning is causing that stress. Also adding to that stress, you know, travel arguments around the table, especially when it comes to politics. Now, the top way people uh, try to avoid this stress is by making some items in advance. Others just opt to stay home. Also on the list of the people surveyed, uh, setting a food budget, prohibiting any of that talk of politics, asking guests to bring a dish, buying those ready-made items, like I said earlier, and the last two items that help relieve some of that stress from the people responding to this survey, asking guests to either help with cleanup, 18% of people do that, or asking people to chip in and help pay for the meal. 11% of people say they'll do that as well. If you invited people over to your house, would you ask them to chip into the meal, or do you feel like that's your obligation to pay for it? 
Uh, I would want to ask. I mean, I really would, but I know at the end of the day, I wouldn't do it. I would expect that I'm going to take care of this. They're coming to my house. I have to make it happen. I, I, right or wrong, that would be my approach. Yeah, I mean, Uncle Larry's going to have to bring his own booze, but other than that, uh, he, <laughs> I, I can handle paying for him. Yeah, I don't have bitters here, Larry. You're going to have to find those for yourself <laughs> if you want another old-fashioned. All right, who do you think the best cook in the house is, Marcus? Well, I guess it depends on who's all present, but mom and or grandma is probably the default answer. Mom comes in at the top spot, 40%. Of the people surveyed, you know, this is how they answered it. Myself comes second followed by my spouse. The worst cook also goes to myself, followed by the spouse. Dad comes in at number three for the worst cook. Sibling. (laughs) (laughs) Only 14% of people say mom is the worst cook. That seems rare. Dad always takes a beating when it comes to making something in the kitchen. So I guess unsurprising. As for the guests that come over for Thanksgiving, seven out of 10 people have lied about liking the meal that was served to them. You ever lie about it, Marcus? Well, of course. Yeah, I'm never going to tell someone I dislike what they went out of their way and spent time on to make me. That's not very polite. (laughs) And and so I'd have a hard time telling them, God, this is awful. I can't believe you worked six hours on this. Are you kidding me? And this is all you came back with? I'm usually pretty nice about it, but I have informed my mother-in-law multiple times that I'm just not a fan of turkey. Is that saying you don't like it? Yeah. That's more of a general statement. Like, look, I don't don't love turkey. I don't know that you can take that personally. Obviously, you can probably assume the top dish served for Thanksgiving. No, turkey. Two-thirds of households serve turkey. I actually thought it would be higher than that, but only two-thirds of households will serve turkey. Chicken is second at about 30%, followed by ham, beef brisket, beef tenderloin, fish, beef wellington, mushrooms, and duck coming in at 10%. I have had beef tenderloin for Thanksgiving instead before. We've, uh, I think it was in 2020, when you didn't have as much traveling for Thanksgiving, we stayed home. Uh, we made some beef tenderloin for my wife and I and the kids. Hey, I wouldn't be mad at beef tenderloin. Beef tenderloin's good any night of the week in my book. Taking a look at some side dishes, uh, the top side dish, mashed potatoes, followed by biscuits and dinner rolls, uh, stuffing and dressing, cranberry sauce, green bean casserole, sweet potatoes, cornbread, applesauce, beet salad. I would say most of those on that list are expected. I don't know about the beet salad. I've never had beet salad at Thanksgiving. I don't know that I've ever had a beet, Reggie. So beet salad doesn't sound like something that would be on my list nor my table. And I know at my in-laws, there's always going to be something in jello. That's considered mm. a salad. Something in jello. You got like the banana slices in there or something else? Yeah, whatever. I don't know. Whatever you want. There's different ways to do it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I could get down on some jello. As they say, there's always room for it. So as a dessert goes, <laughs> that's one that I could I could get by on. If you're not going to have my chocolate well, cake, don't no, give me that no, pie. No, the, the jello is not a dessert. It's a side dish. It's a salad. Oh, oh for my is goodness. it now? Is it now? <laughs> yes. Okay. Here's our yes. jello salad. Do you eat that prior to the meal like you would a traditional salad? No, with the meal. Okay. Not my family, my in-laws. You know, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm taking, <laughs> a, taking a step back here. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> you mentioned desserts. Top desserts out there, of course, pumpkin pie, followed by apple pie, pecan pie, chocolate chip cookies, fruitcake, mm. sweet potato pie, sugar cookies, bread pudding, apple fritters, and, of course, the old uh, Seinfeld uh, favorite there. What do you think that is there, Marcus? The babka. Not the cinnamon babka, the bo- though. You need the chocolate babka. The chocolate babka. Yeah, th- those are the top ones. No no chocolate cake for you, though. 
No, no chocolate cake. I think the chocolate chip cookies would be probably tops on my list if I had to evaluate all of these options. I'm just I'm just not a big pie fan for whatever reason. I'm on board with you. Never been a big pie fan either. I would probably say out of this, chocolate chip cookies would probably be my uh, top option. Line and step we are here. You know what? Apple uh, fritters don't sound too bad either. I've had some of those recently and surprisingly much tastier than I had anticipated. So, Marcus, to wrap up the story, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? Well, I will be enjoying Thanksgiving with my family in Arizona this year. My parents have a place down there, so we're heading down to visit them, and they will be cooking. So my stress level, quite low, Reggie. I'll actually be heading to the in-laws like I do for most Thanksgivings. However, the day after Thanksgiving, my father-in-law and I are actually jumping on a plane and heading to Vegas, because who doesn't go to Vegas for Thanksgiving? Well, hopefully I have a co-host again in two weeks. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Taking a look at this day in history in 1718, Edward Teach, the English pirate who sailed under the name Blackbeard, was killed in battle off the coast of North Carolina with a boarding party led by Royal Navy Lieutenant Robert Maynard. Blackbeard received command of his first pirate ship under Captain Benjamin Hornigold, who gave him command of a sloop that he captured. Together, they boosted their fleet with two more ships, one of which was commanded by Steed Bonnet, but Hornigold retired in 1717, taking two of those ships with him. Teach, or Blackbeard, whichever you want to call him, captured a French slave ship and renamed it and renamed it Queen Anne's Revenge, which held 300 crewmen and 40 guns. That's the ship he's probably most known or being associated with. It was reported that he tied lit fuses under his hat to frighten his enemies. He ended up uh, settling in Bath, North Carolina, a.k.a. Bath Town, and accepted a royal pardon in 1718. However, soon after... He returned to sea, which attracted the attention of the governor of Virginia. That led to a ferocious battle. Now, Teach put up quite a fight there for that battle. When they examined his body afterwards, they found he had been shot five times and cut around 20 times. So I'm going to go back to the beginning of this story. His name was Edward Teach, but he went by Blackbeard. Did someone give him this name? Is this like the Air Force where you're assigned a handle? Or did he just self-proclaim himself to be, quote-unquote, Blackbeard? Yeah, he got the nickname because of his Blackbeard. As far as I can tell, uh, I believe (laughs) someone gave him that name due to his appearance. Well, that seems like the most obvious observation ever. I mean, good thing we didn't call them blonde beard. Go around just naming, calling people by the most obvious characteristic of their face. Man, I would have been a horrible pirate. They would have just called me Peach Fuzz. (laughs) Watch out for the dreaded Peach Fuzz. (laughs) No eye patch or nothing. No eye patch or nothing. Go, Go with my crew cut. Peach fuzz look. Oh, yeah, I would definitely be a menace of the seas. (laughs) Uh, Then call me five o'clock shadow. (laughs) Boy, we would not be good pirates. 
Well, thanks for joining us on this pre-Thanksgiving edition of the Cool Stuff Ride Home podcast. If you're enjoying this show, please leave us a review. And if you want to get in contact with Reggie and myself, you can find our email address located in the show notes. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a great holiday. For Reggie Rizzo, I'm Marcus Powell. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.